Well, this morning, I want to talk about spiritual growth. I want to give a talk called The Good Ground. Say, The Good Ground. ground. Now, how many of you, by show of hands, would say, I have a green thumb. I'm good at gardening. I plant things and they grow. Anybody here? Okay, good. A few people. There's my neighbors over there, Randy and Debbie. They do. And, uh, okay, so how many of you would say, I don't have a green thumb. I have a some other color. But whatever color it is, things die when I work on them in soil or planting or anything like that. That's me, right? Is anybody old enough to remember the Audio Adrenaline, the houseplant song, right? Anybody? Okay, good stuff. Check that one out. All right. Uh, well, if, you, if you're in that category of person that kills plants, you're, you're like me. Uh, but I, I want to talk a little bit about, about good soil, what it means to be good ground. I want to talk about spiritual growth. And I want to give you a thought this morning that... Spiritual growth or spiritual progress is not a direct byproduct of our effort, okay? It's actually a direct byproduct of our environment, right? Spiritual growth is not a direct byproduct of effort. It's a direct byproduct of environment. What do I mean by this? Well, when somebody says, I want to grow in God, I want my my life to to change, I want to become more like Jesus, that's a good thing, right? It's a good uh, endeavor, a a good thought process, But oftentimes we get this thought, well, if I try really hard, then God will either, number one, love me, okay? Or number two, if I try really hard to grow, to change, to to stop doing bad things and start doing better things, then I'll become a better person and God will accept me. But I want to tell you today that spiritual growth is not about how hard you try. In fact, the harder you try, oftentimes you end up creating the red button effect, which is don't push the red button. Don't push the red button. Don't push the red button. What are you going to want to do? You push that red button, right? I like that Staples. That was easy. You ever seen that big red button? Yeah. And so a lot of times we think about growing or changing or I want to become a better person. How many of you would say, I want to be more like Jesus? We do. We want to be more like Jesus because Jesus is the best. Jesus loved people. Jesus was not judgmental. He, he broke down barriers racially and, and, and he broke down barriers economically and he broke down all kinds of barriers between people and invited people into God's kingdom, invited people into relationship with God. I want to be more like Jesus. And we think sometimes, well, if I try harder, then I'll grow. But that's not the case. Now go back to this whole idea about planting things and gardening and soil and think about this, that if you get a plant, let's say you're going to grow some basil. I'm Italian. I'm Sicilian. Forget about it. So basil is like lettuce to me. You know, it's just the salad. Oh, basil, you know. But if I have a basil plant and I plant it in a pot and I want it to grow, you know what I don't do? I don't go, you can do it. You could do it. Try harder. I'm going to coach you like, you got this. Go, basil. Go, 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 go. Just try, try, try. That's not how it works, is it? What do I do if I want to see growth? I affect the environment the environment and much the same in our lives when we want to see growth take place and change take place the effort is not the key thing doesn't mean we don't try doesn't mean we don't give an effort we do at times and in different ways but but it's but it's the environment that creates the atmosphere of growth that happens and you know my dad is a gardener and he I don't know how successful he is his garden isn't looking so great uh, right now this year but through the years he's done a good job and my dad always had all kinds of plants and one of the things that my dad really delighted in doing was pirating plants okay now if you've never heard about this this is the process this is what would take place so my dad we'd be driving along perhaps after soccer practice or coming from church or something 
All of a sudden, all of us in the vehicle who are having a nice leisurely drive would immediately be arrested in momentum uh, and throwing our heads forward because he'd jam on the brakes, leap out of the car, run off to someone's yard or a business, and he would surreptitiously and secretively cut a clipping of whatever plant it was and gleefully hop back in the car and giggle like a schoolboy. And then illegally drive on, however he wanted to. And he would take this cutting, a pirated plant, right? He stole it. He said, it won't hurt their plant. You know, they'll be fine. It'll grow back. And he would take this cutting and he would plant it in soil. And he would create an environment in which this basically dead limb that he's now cut off of another healthy plant, he would create an environment in which that plant would begin to grow. And that is pretty much how my dad got all the plants that he owns. <laughs> they started calling him Blackbeard, you know, around town, Blackbeard the gardener, because he's a pirate, right? He would take uh, these, these cuttings, but it was interesting because why did it work? It worked because he understood if I can take this small cutting, this small piece of a plant, and I can put it in an environment that is conducive to growth, it will grow, it will begin to create roots and much the same in our lives. Maybe, maybe you're here and you're going, I'm just dead. I'm, I feel like the way my life is gone, I'm just sort of cut off. I don't have relationships. I'm empty on the inside. Well, you're in the right place. Because I believe that if you can get in the right environment, that God can do amazing things in your life. And in the right environment, you can begin to sprout. You can begin to have roots. There can begin to not just be roots and leaves, but then also fruit in your life. You can begin to experience the kind of life that God created you for, and you can begin to become the kind of person that God created you to be. So it works because of environment. And Jesus told this story. It's a famous story. And I want to kind of set the scene here. Jesus is, he goes out and he begins to teach this crowd of people. And Jesus was always teaching crowds of people. They wanted to hear what he had to say. And they were pressing in on him. And actually he had to get into a boat. And so he's out on a boat, on a lake, kind of off from the shore. And he begins to tell people this story. He says, listen, a farmer went out to plant some seed. Now remember, this is 2,000 years ago. It's an agricultural society. So everybody understands planting seed and farming and all these kind of things. And we get this in our Willamette Valley. We understand about agriculture and the planting of seeds. And he says, as he scattered it across his field, some of the seed fell on a footpath or the wayside, the road. And the birds came and ate it. Other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun, and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. And he goes on, Other seed fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plant, so they produced no grain. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they sprouted, grew, and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as been planted. Now Jesus is drawing our minds and drawing the, his listeners to their attention to the reality that when you plant seed or when seed goes in, you don't expect just a return on one seed for one piece of fruit or one seed for one plant. That seed goes in and it produces 30 or 60 or 100 times what's been planted, right? Every farmer wants to see multiplication in the seed that goes in. Now, remember that. Keep that in mind. They, Jesus says a couple things to his disciples. They ask him in this passage of Scripture, why do you talk in parables? But then he says, let me explain it to you. I want to explain this parable, this story. I want to give you the, the meaning behind it. He says, The farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. 
So Jesus says the seed is not plant seed, it's God's Word. It's God's working in in people's lives. It's the, the moving of God. He says the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. I don't know if you've ever felt in your life that maybe something good was about to happen and all of a sudden things go south. You have an enemy, an adversary, someone whose mission in life is to steal from you, to kill you, ultimately to destroy you and all those around you. It's Satan, right? Now, we don't live in fear of Satan because we give our lives to Christ and we have victory in Jesus. Can I get an amen? amen? But it's important to understand that we have an adversary and Satan comes and takes it away. Jesus goes on, the seed, God's word, that falls on the rocky soil. It represents those who hear the message. They, they hear God. They feel God. They experience God, what He wants to do, and immediately receive it with joy. Yes, I heard God. He did something in my life. Some of you today are going to hear this word. You're going to, God's seed is going to be planted in your heart, and it's going to actually create some excitement, some joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. Jesus goes on, The seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life. Anybody experience the worries of this life? How am I going to pay rent? How am I going to pay child support? How am I going to get to church or get to school? Whatever the worries of this life, my family, my kids. Jesus goes on, the lure of wealth. The desire for more. You know, our society is possessed by possessions. Our society is obsessed with the pursuit of more, 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 more. I get a promotion, I need to get another promotion. I get more money, I need more money. I got a big house, I need a bigger house, right? More, more, and more. It's the the lure of wealth. The word lure is also used as a fishing term. Why? Because it catches the fish. So beware when something is alluring or a lure, because what's it doing? It's hooking you for another purpose than what you thought you were getting. The lure of wealth and the desire for other things. Just your heart is in other places, Jesus says. So no fruit is produced. And he goes on. And the seed that fell on good soil. Say good soil. Good ground. It represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. Jesus says there are people that are good ground, good soil. There's an environment that has been cultivated and prepared. And when God's word comes to it, just like seed that's planted in the ground, doesn't just go one for one. It actually begins to multiply in their life. Now I've experienced in my life, and I know many of you have experienced this, that when God's word comes to you and it begins to actually take root in good soil in your life, and your life is the right environment, that whatever God actually got to you, it doesn't just go one for one. It multiplies and it changes the complete complexion of your life. There's a multiplication of peace. There's a multiplication of joy. There's a multiplication of hope. There's a multiplication of love. Not just for you, but for the, for the way that you relate to everybody in your life. And so Jesus talks about these four types of soil. We're going to go through them one by one. Number, number one is the wayside or the, the path, the This represents a hard-hearted life, a hard-hearted life. And so what happens is, if something is hard, the seed bounces off. God's word comes to a hard heart. Somebody who's, say, I'm in pride and locked into their own way of thinking, and God's word comes and it just, it bounces off and it scatters onto the path. And then what happens in this kind of a life is that it's it's prime time for Satan to come and steal 
God's word, just like a bird comes and steals seed. A couple of months ago, I was actually doing some productive garden work. So very rare in my life, you know, a handful of times throughout my, my years. And I was planting grass seed. And I was using one of those turning mechanisms, right, where you, is that what it's called, a planter, seed planter, whatever, put the seed in there. What's it called? A spreader, thank you. You know, the seed doohickey. And uh, thingamawatsit. And I'm out in the yard and I'm using that thing. And the only reason I was even doing it is because it's actually pretty fun. You know, because and the seed goes out and you're like, cool, I'm a farmer. You know, <laughs> with my iPhone on, talking on the phone, you know, doing this. And I noticed that the grass seed, which is a real small seed, it was scattering in the yard and some of it fell onto the wayside. It fell onto the path. And the next day, guess who was out there? The birds. And there was tons of these little birds out there getting that seed. And I thought, man, that's what Jesus was talking about. Yeah. The wayside, it's, it's hard. It's too hard. It's not even soil. Uh, something is in the way of what God wants to do. Yeah. When God is giving you His Word and God is speaking to you, if there's something that's not supposed to be there, it's not even soil. Let me tell you what needs to happen. That needs to be broken up. Yeah. It needs to be broken up we call this repentance. Repentance is saying, I see my need for God. I lay down my, my arms, my armor. I, I'm not going to fight Him. I'm not going to be hard-hearted. I repent. I turn around and go the other direction. And God can actually break up that hard-heartedness, that wayside, that path, so that there's actually even soil at all for His Word to take place. And I pray for any of us that have wayside in our life, it's hard-heartedness that God would break it, that through repentance we could say, God, I need you. You know, one of the best ways to start growing in God is just to say, God, I, I need you. Yes. To admit our need for God. And it breaks up that wayside. The second type of soil that Jesus describes, and this could be the condition of our heart, is stony ground. It's a shallow life. Shallow. And what happens is the seed finds a place, but it can't go very deep. It, it takes root, it starts to produce a root, but it just hits that that shallow soil, that rock layer, and it can't go any deeper than that. I want to ask you a question. Is there room for God's Word to take root in you? Or have you only gone deep enough with God that His Word can only go to a very superficial level and right when it hits that rock layer of whatever that represents for you, maybe it's bitterness. Well, my husband did this, or my wife did that, or my kids, or my grandma, or my dad, or whoever... And so therefore, God, you know, my relationships, I can only go so deep and that soil, that, that seed comes in and it, it starts to, you actually get excited. Well, maybe God could do something and it hits that layer of rock. Again, it's hard-heartedness and what happens can't take root. And then when the hot sun comes, when persecution or troubles come, when life comes and gives you lemonades, right? Or gives you lemons. <laughs> hey, life giving us lemonade, we'll take that, right? When life comes and gives you lemons, which is a nice way of saying that you had a bad day, right? There's no depth inside of you. Are you the kind of person that can only have superficial level conversations? Hey, nice weather we're having today. Yep. Really nice. Well, good to see you. Good to see you. Bye. If you're shy, that's okay, right? But who can go deep with you? Who can ask you, how are you doing today? And you say, this is how I'm actually doing today. Good or bad? 
Do you have depth inside of you? Is there, is there actually enough depth inside of you <clears throat> that God's Word can take root, take hold? And how deep are you willing to allow God to go? You know, I had an experience this week. I was up in Idaho. <clears throat> it's a beautiful area, Coeur d'Alene area. I was at a conference up there and was in a small group and it was kind of time to go deep and share with others where we're at, talking through some things and I had a hard time, hard time and I'm like, ooh, I felt pretty embarrassed. I, the people were asking deep questions and I just had this in, inclination to sort of hide or disappear or suddenly have to go to the bathroom and couldn't really do that. It would have been too awkward. It's this small group of people. And I, I, the Lord revealed to me that I had a hard layer that I wasn't really liking to go deep. And I had to ask him, Lord, will you dig me, dig me out? How deep can I go? Can God go deep in me? And am I that shallow soil? Jesus talks about thorny ground. And I'm just going to preach on this one. Is that okay? Yeah. All right. You said I could. <laughs> thorny ground is a distracted life. The cares of this world, the, the worries of life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things, it, it chokes out God's Word in your life. Let me ask you a question. I want you to think about this for a second, and I want you to think about it this week. What has the potential in your life, either good or bad, so either good things or bad things, but what has the potential to choke out God's Word in your life? You know, we live in the United States of America, and we pursue the American dream and you have to have your kids in four sports. And you have to have that job where you work in, uh, nine, you know, 80 hours a week. And you have to, you hear what I'm saying? Yeah. No, you don't have to. You don't have to. But we get caught up in the rat race, don't we? And I don't know why we want to be in a race with rats. <laughs> there are no winners in a rat race. They're all rats at the end of the race. <clears throat> but we get caught up in this lure of wealth. Well, I need more, I need more, I need more. Or... We get caught up and I, my kids have to be in every single sport that exists. No, they don't. Have you created an environment in your family where God's word will not be choked out? Do you realize that we fill our lives even with what seem to be good things and our adversary is just as happy to let you be captivated and caught up in good things as he is in bad things? Oftentimes, Satan would lo love you to just be so busy that you have no time to go deep with God, no time to go deep with others, no time to have relationships, no time to hear God's word. And even though you think that you have good soil, and maybe you are good soil, but all that stuff is on top and the light cannot come through and the water can't come through. And every little time, every time that God's word begins to take hold and grow up, it, those things in your life, that thorny ground, that, those distractions, whether they're good or bad, they choke out what God wants to do inside of us. Come on, somebody. God wants us to get a machete and get really... Uh, indiscriminate about cutting away what in our life is potentially choking out what God wants to do inside of us. I love Netflix binge sessions. Come on. I love going out to eat. I love hanging out with people. I love life. Life is great. It's a gift of God. But don't let the gift that God gave take away what God wants to do with the seed that He plants in your life. Number four, Jesus talks about good ground, good soil soft, it's deep, it's fertilized, it's cultivated, it's ready for seed. I remember a time in uh, uh, Bethany and, and my life, we were living in Medford and the area that in Medford that we were living, it had real hard kind of rocky shallow soil and it, it was 
tough. And Bethany is a great gardener and she has a green thumb, so I try not to kill the things that she plants. But we ended up doing some raised garden beds and, and uh, we had to dig and cultivate and de- uh, sift through the dirt. And it was really hard work, wasn't it, that you did? And uh, <laughs> No, I helped too, somewhat. But it was really hard work to, to sift through all this dirt. But when it was done, it was soft. It was, you could run your fingers through it. And I kind of felt like a cool farmer. And I wanted Sam Elliott's voice to come over. And, you know, <laughs> you're a farmer. And you're, you know, all that kind of stuff. But it was really cool. And it was just this perfect soil. And it was ready. And you just knew this is the right environment. It's the right environment for plants to grow, for tomatoes, delicious tomatoes, and zucchini. Come on, I love it. Especially when you cover it with breading and fry it in oil. You know, it's just amazing how that just turns in. It's like nature's french fries. Okay. Soft, deep, cultivated, and ready for seed. This is the kind of description. This is how our life should be. You know, you think about what has to happen for soil to be ready for seed. you got to rototill it. Now think about that in your life and ask if you really want to be rototilled in your heart and your emotions and your mind. It's painful. Yeah. Digs you up. Oh, there was something in there. Ooh, there, ooh that didn't, I don't want that to go. Oh, that hurt. <clears throat> but we want to dig it in. <clears throat> dig it out. Get it ready. That's the kind of ground that God wants us to be, that he can, his seed can be planted. And now listen, what Jesus told us in this story and, and explained it to us and, and with his disciples and told us what it means But something to understand is that the condition of the ground is the only variable here. If you're doing a scientific experiment, you're trying to isolate variables, the only variable in this story is the condition of the ground. God's word goes out to everybody. You know, when I was using that spreader and I'm shooting it, I'm trying to aim and get seed in certain spots, but some of it went on wayside. Some of it went on shallow ground. Some of it went in the street. Some of it went where it needed to be. Some of it went into the other parts of the grass. When God's planting his word and it's going out, it's fairly indiscriminate, right? And God doesn't give second-class seed to some people. Some people think, oh, well, I wasn't really given a fair shake. Maybe not in your life, but God's word that comes to you is just as good as what went to anybody else. If you're sitting here today, you're getting God's word. It's being sown into your life. And the only thing, say the only thing, the only thing thing that's different is the condition of our heart, the condition of the ground. And therefore, we have to look and say, what is the environment and what kind of a harvest would my ground, would my heart produce? Because sometimes we want to blame it on other people. Oh, well, it's this person and what they said to me and that's why I'm not growing. No, it's the condition of your heart. Maybe they were throwing rocks in your dirt. You can dig them out. You hear what I'm saying? Maybe, maybe somebody forgot to deliver the fertilizer that you needed. You can go to the store and pick it up. I am responsible for the ground in my life. It's not how hard I try, it's the environment I create. It's not the effort, it's the environment. But I'm responsible for the environment in my life. So let's get practical here and look at a couple things. The environment of growth. What makes good soil? Well, Jesus described it as people that hear the word, accept it, and produce fruit. People that hear the word, the good ground is those that hear the word, accept it, and produce fruit or produce a harvest. I'm going to read it one more time. Hear the word, accept the word, and produce fruit from that seed, from the word that was planted. Number one, I need to be in an environment where I can hear God's word. I'm just, I'm going to preach again. Is that okay? 
All right. I need to be in an environment where I can hear God's word. Listen, we are too distracted. We give too low of a priority in our culture to the things of God. You go, well, my kids are in school eight hours a day. We got an hour of, we have dinner together. We watch some Netflix, homework, go to bed. And we go to church once a month which means that your kids get hours and hours and days and days and hours and hours of science and geology and geography and a bunch of other stupid stuff they get at school. And one hour, right? Figuring out what bathroom you're supposed to use now and all this kind of stuff. Hello. This is the culture we live in, correct? And we go, well, you know, it's Sunday morning and really just be nice to like sleep in. Where are we supposed to get God's word? Where are you prioritizing getting in an environment to hear the Word of God? School's great. Family time's great. But if you make family above God's Word, then guess what you're going to get? A harvest out of that, not God's Word. Where am I hearing God's Word? Jesus said good soil, good environment is a person that can hear the Word of the Lord. Do you have a hunger in your life for God's Word? Do you prioritize getting in the Word when you, op- when you start your day? Do I get in the Word and actually get a message that will change me and create a good harvest in my life? Or is it all about Facebook? Is it all about Netflix? Is it all about Twitter? Whatever. Even good things. Maybe you just get up and it's just conversation. That's good. But where do you hear God's Word? I need to be in an environment. Be in an environment where I hear God's Word. Put a priority. Let me just tell you how I grew up. When it was Sunday and the doors were open at the church, we were there. Because we knew there's a lot of outside influences. There's a lot of things going on. But I need to be in an environment where I can connect with God's Word, be with His people. Come on, somebody. Because if you want to change culture, you have to be different than culture. If you want to be and make an impact in the system and go against the flow, you got to swim against the flow. One of my heroes in the faith, an amazing author, G.K. Chesterton, said, Dead things can go only, or dead things can only go with the stream. Only living things can go against it. I need to be in an environment where I can hear God's word. Number two, I need to accept it. To accept it. Accept God's word. What's the difference in just hearing and accepting? Well, when you accept it, you begin to commit your life to it and you begin to change accordingly. I need to hear God's word, yes, but it's not just hearing it. Even just coming to church. It's not going to just happen by osmosis. Oh, I heard a sermon, therefore I'm now righteous with God. Therefore I'm now producing fruit. No, it's not just the hearer of the word. It's a doer of the word, as James teaches us. I need to accept it, commit my life to it, and begin to change accordingly. Accepting God's word. It's saying, God, I'm not going to let this message or reading the word, I'm not going to let it go in one ear and go out the other and not commit myself to do anything about it. It's a commitment to change. A commitment to change. You know, we talk a lot about discipleship here and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Here's a definition of a disciple. Someone who's committed their life to Christ. A lot of you have done that. If you haven't, hey, this is a great day to do it. Number two, it's a person that's committed themselves to Christ's church. Right? They're in relationship. But number three, it's a commitment to change. Commitment to change. In other words, I'm going to grow in my faith. I'm going to dig into what God has for me. I'm going to hear the Word, but I'm going to accept the Word. I'm going to put my effort in and in, uh, get my environment right. I'm going to work on this. I'm going to give my life to it and I'm going to begin to change accordingly. This creates this environment of growth. It's about being good soil. You with me? Yeah. And number three, I need to produce 
fruit. Fruit is produced in my relationships with others. When somebody says, I belong to Jesus, I'm a follower of Christ, there needs to be evidence in their life. This is fruit, right? If somebody goes, hey, look at my apple tree, I'm like, cool. It's nice leaves you got there. Nice trunk and some branches. And this looks like an apple tree, but where's the fruit? Fruit will come out of a good plant that's healthy in the right environment. Fruit will come, okay? And fruit needs to be produced in our life. I need to produce fruit. If you look at yourself and you say, okay, I'm a Christian, committed myself to Christ, I'm committed to His church, I'm committed to change, and I'm committed to the mission of Christ, I am a disciple, but there's no fruit in your life, there's a disconnect somewhere. If if we planted an orchard of apple trees, and maybe there's one apple tree that doesn't produce fruit, we might go, oh, that's an exception. But if all the apple trees don't have fruit, something's wrong, right? So we know, even just naturally, even in the area of agriculture, that if there's a plant and it produces no fruit, something is wrong. There, and, and likewise, in our lives as followers of Christ, if we look at our life and there is no fruit, there is no fruit, then we know there's a disconnect. But fruit, really, how do we check it? How do we understand it? How do we, how do we know if there's fruit or not? It's, it's really produced in our relationship with others. The Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Galatia, this letter, this epistle, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, he says, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Listen to what he says. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Now we hear that verse and we go, yeah, yeah, love. All right, we're about love. Joy, we're about joy. Peace, yeah, I'm about peace. Well, let me ask you this question. Love for who? Love with who? Love given to whom? Joy with who? Peace with who? Peace with yourself, maybe. But peace with others. Patience with who? Right? Kindness towards who? Goodness towards who? Faithfulness to who? Gentleness with who? Self-control with who? All of the fruits of the Spirit are seen in light of relationship. That's good, yeah. And so if you're the kind of person that says, well, I'm good with God, we're good. Really, I'm, you know, I'm like a, on a spectrum here, I'm like a, I'm probably a seven with God. God and I are like, <laughs> we're tight, we're good. I'm a seven with God. But you're a two with other people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're a two with God. Yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> right? Oh, I just love Jesus. Holy, holy. I go to church and you walk out of here and then, you know, on your family, you know, I'm an eight with God. You're a one with God because you're a one with your friends and your family, right? Now, I'm not, I'm not saying this to make you feel bad because huh? I'm in the same boat, right? I'm preaching to myself, preaching to myself. We think, oh, I'm really producing fruit in my life because I'm spiritual. And Jesus says, there's no fruit. You look good. You might even act good. I grew up in church. I know how to act like a Christian. I could fool you all, all day. <laughs> I can talk religious, I can walk religious, I know how to do it. Anybody with me? Yeah. Jesus doesn't say, Jake, how, how good are you at looking like you could produce fruit? It's, is there fruit? And fruit with who? Love for who? Do I really love people or am I more concerned with, you know, just telling them the truth? Do I really have joy in my life or is it just I just put joy on when I come to Joy Church on Sunday morning? fruit in our lives. Jesus said, this is what good soil is, an environment where I can hear God's word. I need to accept it. 
hear the word, accept it, and produce fruit. And so to the degree that I am good soil, good ground, good environment, I will produce fruit. As we close up this morning, I want us to really grasp this idea that spiritual growth is not a direct byproduct of our effort. It's not a direct byproduct of how hard we try. Sometimes we think, well, if I really try hard, then God will love me. I want to let you know today that God loves you amazingly, intensely, and fervently, even when you are doing all the worst things that you could do. The book of Romans tells us that even when we were enemies of God, we were at enmity with God, we were defiant and not wanting God, that He sent Jesus to die for our sins and to pay the price and to bring us back into relationship. I want to let you know that God loves you so very much and that Christianity is not about I keep all the rules and then I'm good with God. It's about coming into a relationship with Jesus Christ and trusting Him 100% with your life. Trusting Him with your eternity. Trusting Him with the leadership of your life. And saying, I'm going to open my heart and allow God to do the deep work and allow other people in the context of relationships to help me dig out and rototill and become that good soil. And then God wants to do something incredible in my life. It's not a direct byproduct of effort. It's a direct byproduct of environment. Are you the right kind of soil? When God's word comes to you on a day like today or throughout the week or wherever you are, when God's word comes, will it produce a harvest? Or will it die? Will it go down a little bit, but you're too shallow and you haven't gone deep with God and you haven't given Him room in your life and it just doesn't take root? Is it falling on the wayside? Are you hard-hearted? Are you defiant against God? I don't need Him. I can do it myself. You need to come to a recognition of humility. The Bible says that God gives grace to the humble, but He resists the proud. Hard-heartedness creates an atmosphere of of, of hostility between us and God. But humility says, no, I'm going to lay down my weapons and I'm going to trust God and He can break up that hard-heartedness and begin to do things in your life. Am I just too distracted? Am I thorny ground? And I pray that every person, every follower of Christ would say, God, what are the distractions in my life? Where is it thorny? What are the good things that I need to stop? What are the bad things that I need to stop so that I can get my life opened up to the moving of God in me? Are you too busy to be a Christian? Are you just too busy to serve Jesus? Because when we pass through into eternal life and we stand before God, He's not going to say, I understand that you were just too busy to be my follower. He's going to say, I gave you a life. How did you use it? Did you use it well? Did you spend your time well? Did you put your priority on eternal things? Or did you run the rat race? And I want to say, God, no, I gave everything every day for your kingdom. Jesus, I sought your kingdom first. I loved well. I sought peace well. I tried to spread your joy around. God, I I knew you. I had time to walk with you. You know, when you get to heaven, are you going to be meeting a stranger or a friend? Think about that. When you walk into that beautiful place and you're at peace, and is it going to be like, oh, I kind of, who is that person? I kind of recognize them, or is it an intimate friend that, that you see? When you embrace Jesus, you've walked with Him every day of your life. Am I good ground? Or am I wayside? Am I stony, shallow ground? And when God's Word is sown, that seed comes into my life, what happens? Let's examine our lives this morning. Let's just take a second. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads. Father, 
we examine our hearts today. I pray, Lord, that with no condemnation and no judgment, you would reveal to us, Lord, as you lovingly do, you'd guide us to the reality of where we are. We're not better than we are. We're not less than we are. We're not insecure. But in security, we know you can reveal to us the real condition of our heart. And Lord, it's not like we're just one. It's probably a mix of a lot of different things. But God, help us to see where there's wayside and something that doesn't need to be in our life. And seed can't even get through. It just bounces off and the enemy comes and takes it. Or God, areas where we're shallow. That maybe we need to open up a depth of relationship with another person or a depth of relationship with you. That God, you can do something deep in our lives. Lord, reveal to us the distractions, the thorny ground, the cares of this life. So easy to get distracted, Lord. We oftentimes live so connected to this life and we neglect to think about the life that comes all of eternity. Help us to get our minds on eternity. Get our thoughts on you, your kingdom, your purposes. Help us, Lord, to have that spiritual machete ready to go every day. To cut back and say, no, am I, am I going to have time to be a real follower of Jesus Christ? Or am I going to be a cultural Christian? Lord, is there space in me to really know you? When I die, am I going to be meeting a stranger or a friend? Help us, Lord cut away whatever would be there in that place and help us to be that good ground, that good soil. God, let your spirit come and cultivate the deep places of our heart.